electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, it's Cyber Monday, what Fanatics chairman Michael Rubin thinks about holiday shopping online. I believe firmly that Amazon and Alibaba are killing everybody. If you don't have something that's completely differentiated, you're dead. Boeing's big month. We'll hear from an analyst and aerospace engineer on the long runway to the 737 MAX's takeoff. We shouldn't think there's an inherent instability in the new structure of the wings and the engines. As, as that, 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 that would make no sense to me. And age and wealth and the gulf between them. With the National Taxpayer Union's Maddie Dupler. Young people think favorably about socialism the same way they think favorably about capitalism. And former U.S. Senator Evan Bayh. For our country's sake, it's a good thing that the United States Senate is a little older demographic. The average age is like 64. Hey, Boomer. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Monday, December 2nd, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back to buy in three, two, one, five, two. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. But we've got Tom Farley. He's the CEO of Farpoint Acquisition Group. He's also former president of the NYSE and, of course, a CNBC contributor. And, Tom, it's great to see you. Good morning. Thanks Good for morning. being here today. Yeah. All rested after the holiday weekend, ready to go? Ready to go. Maybe we get another all-time uh, record in the stock markets today. This is the first trading day of the month of December. And November was a very strong month for stocks, even though you did see some declines on, fr- on Friday, on Black Friday. Uh, you're looking at the best returns we saw uh, since June for all of the major averages. Also, uh, last week, again, you did see some big gains, too. Right now, the Dow, the S&P, and the Nasdaq are still less than 1% to 2% of their intraday highs. Uh, with these gains today, you're going to see them challenging that, as uh, Tom mentioned. Although uh, I also remember last, uh, the, first, the first trading day of December last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, not so quite I, as much fun, right? Yeah, I still, I still have some... Uh, some nightmares about would that. would not be the only one with scars for yeah. left over from that. First up today, the holiday shopping season is in full swing. Online spending on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, hit a record $5.4 billion, according to initial reports from 80 of the top 100 U.S. online retailers. Will the spend trend continue today? Here's Joe Kernan with CNBC retail reporter Courtney Reagan, joining Squawk Box from a packed Walmart fulfillment center in Pennsylvania. It's Cyber Monday, Courtney. Uh, you're at a wall. Have they asked you to, to push anything around and grab some stuff off the shelves yet? You're in Bethlehem <laughs> at a fulfillment center. I don't. I don't think I can. I, it looks. It looks like everything behind me is very random, but it's done like very purposefully. You'll see cat food next to a frozen toy, and that's done on purpose. So I'm not allowed to touch anything because I'm going to screw up the system. But this is just one of Walmart's six fulfillment campuses around the country that's going to be fulfilling those online orders today on this Cyber Monday and also potentially some of those orders from over the weekend that are still coming in. Today, the National Retail Federation thinks 69 million Americans will shop. 
Even though we set records on Thanksgiving and on Black Friday online, today is also expected to be a record day online with sales up about 19 percent, hitting $9.4 billion. If that happens here in this country, it will be the biggest day of the year and also the biggest day ever in the United States for online shopping. But just like Black Friday, the timing has sort of shifted here for Cyber Monday. So remember, in the older days where you didn't necessarily have high-speed Internet at home or a computer that had access to it and you shopped once you got to work for Cyber Monday. So the peaks were in the morning or maybe even midday around lunch. Not anymore. Today, the peak is expected for Cyber Monday. Peak volume to happen much later tonight between 7 and 11 p.m. Pacific time. So that is a big difference that has been happening over the years, too, even with the online shopping. Now, Deliver is a company that helps third-party merchants fulfill their orders. So they work with merchants on Walmart.com, eBay, Shopify. They said on Black Friday that their average daily volume was up 3.7 times compared to a normal recent Friday. And that was higher than last Black Friday when their volume was three times as heavy. So we'll see if that continues for even the third party merchants on some of these platforms here today. In store, getting some preliminary results. ShopperTrack says that Thanksgiving traffic in store was up about 2%, but that Black Friday in store traffic was down about 6%. So that evens out to about down 3% over those two days. At least the preliminary numbers are showing, but like we said, record online. So, so far, still shaping up to be a strong season, and we got a big day ahead. Courtney, thank you. It's great to see you, and we'll check in later. Thanks. You All too. right, joining us right now to talk more about Cyber Monday and how the holiday shopping weekend went is Dana Telsey. She's the CEO of Telsey Advisory Group. And, Dana, what did you think? I thought it went pretty well. I mean, obviously, there was a pull forward because you have some of these companies starting their promotions earlier. Yeah, like you right after Halloween, right? Exactly. Walmart did it right after Halloween. And you saw a lot of others like that, too. And now it's even considered a five-day weekend, not just a two-day weekend or a three-day weekend. And you still have a long way to go. So it's an on-track weekend so far. Black Friday, companies are opening at, at on Thanksgiving Day, opening at 5 p.m. till 1 a.m. Then they're coming back on Black Friday. It was slow Friday morning. It picked up in the afternoon. Luckily, this weather on the north, in the Northeast didn't happen until yesterday because we needed Saturday also. Although uh, a, a lot of the country did get hit over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Did that affect places like Minnesota or uh, yes. some of the other Great Plains states? Yes, it, it, except it hit some of the West Coast also. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see some of that impact, but they can order online too. And what you mentioned about the stores before, I mean, fulfilling orders is part of it. We're seeing stores reimagine how they're configured, and they're going to right-size in terms of the way they are. What do you mean right-size? The, the size right? of the store. Yeah. The size of the store may not, how much is going to be for fulfillment, how much is going to be for showing goods. It's all going to look different in a couple of years, just like the patterns of shopping are different today. Who, who are the big winners, would you say, at this point in the holiday season? Best Buy, big winner. Walmart and Target, big winner. It was all the big box players. I think the department stores are still a little bit slower. Dana, the, the total sales for today are expected to be around about $9 billion, $10, mm -hmm. 10 billion. I mean, when you compare that to Alibaba's singles day, it's, it's really a drop in the bucket. Right. So w where does this end? Does this just keep going here in the U.S.? more and more online sales? Does retail just collapse for these types of goods to, to effectively nothing? So maybe excluding luxury, exclu excluding jewelry, right. excluding high fashion. Convenience and ease matter, but there is something to be said for tradition and walking through the stores and the experience of it. Smell. There's a reason, well, some of it, but there's a reason the why you definitely see no, some of these consumers store. doing this with their kids together or with families. It's an entertainment and it's sport. No, so nothing I think you're always like going to have that. something like it. Facts. Right? 
Well, <laughs> Fifth Avenue Saks. Depends what fragrance you like. They're all mixed together. And Sometimes. People all of them right hustle and bustle and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, makeup count. I, I mean, I, I'm not at the makeup count. Right. I walk by the makeup. I have people uh -huh. do that. For you. For you. Yeah. <laughs> fragrance you get is used to that? You get used to that? Discuss, <laughs> talking about makeup and stuff with the... Uh, with your buddies, it's a little it, weird. I don't really, yeah, I don't, I don't Takes mention that. Uh, yeah, well, you got some on today, uh, even though, you know, I would argue that you Move, come yeah, in here without anything. On, yeah, okay. Fragrance right. is one oh, of the Oh, you're still uncomfortable with that a little bit? All right. <laughs> Better get hey, used Tom, to it. Tom, just... never show your tells like that. Now, <laughs> yeah. now you've just relegated yourself so the, to hours so and the hours of thing makeup gets I'm blushing, but you yeah. can't see because I'm actually caked about an inch of makeup. caked on, I know. All right, so that's one of your sort of, okay, good. Fragrance the top category. You he's hunting. <laughs> Probing. What overall percentage of sales are online sales at this point? I mean, watching it creep up every year. Do you, it could be near 13% of sales. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it's moving a little, certainly a little bit higher. Okay. Dana, thanks a lot. It's good to see Thank you. Thank you. Good Thank to you see too. you, too. It is a, the start of a big month uh, for Boeing, which is an, obviously a very important Dow component, our largest manufacturer. The plane maker still thinks it can get to grounded 737 MAX certified to fly uh, before the end of 2019 and maybe even deliver uh, some of the planes to its customers this week. Uh, pilots are heading into the 737 MAX simulators. The company and the FAA want to know how they handle the redesigned MCAS uh, flight control software that was implicated in the two deadly crashes. Join us now. We're on Epstein. What do we decide? Epstein, Epstein, you don't care. Do you? Stein. Yeah, yeah. Stein, Stein, all right. Research. I it was Stein, right? Stein. Stein, Stein. Stein. Uh, wait, wait, it, works or what? It, uh, Stein. What do you Stein. say? I know there's two I, different parts of your family, but what do you say? say I, I guess I say Stein. Okay. Stein. Yeah. All right. Research analyst at Bank of America, uh, Merrill Lynch. Is this, can, can we, starting now, it's December 2nd, can we look at the chronology of how it's going to happen with 90 degree, 90 percent certainty, or is there still a lot? Up in the air, so to speak. Do you they, I mean, there's still there's still some stuff up in the air, right? You know, Boeing you know, put out a press release. I guess it was uh, about a month ago. There was five steps that they had to go through. They had completed one of those steps. Probably the biggest step that they have to go through, the biggest hurdle, if you will, is the Joint Operational um, Evaluation Board. Uh, they're going to review the pilot training, and the pilot training you know, they'll review it. it. It involves international regulators, so it's you know, and to some extent you're hurting kittens. They'll come up with a report, and then that report has a public review period. Right, so it looks like getting all this done before the end of the year is becoming a really, really, really long putt. There's been some data points, orders, and, and such that were gratifying to people that, that like the positive story for Boeing. Is that where you are with, with what we've seen in the last couple of months, the air shows, the orders? I mean, Airbus has made some strides as, as well, but Boeing didn't fall off the didn't fall off the floor. Yeah, and, 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 and I wouldn't expect them to, right? There's really only two producers of large commercial jets in the world, Boeing and Airbus. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, not everybody can buy everything from, from Airbus. I think it, we have to see, as you know, consumers start to fly again, you know, their preference for plane. Uh, my, my guess is ultimately this too shall pass. But it's an open question, right? Uh, Boeing is hosting this week a uh, meeting out in Seattle with, uh, with social media influencers. There's some bloggers and some other folks, um, I think, trying to you know, gain support for the aircraft. Yeah. It's an open, important question. If, no name that, change, right, uh, no, no name change as of yet. Ralph yeah. Nader came on this network, and yeah. he has a personal and tragic connection to yeah. one of the two crashes. But he came on the show with us, right. and, and he effectively said, and I'm paraphrasing, he effectively said this plane was, was not built to fly safely. Yeah. Uh, it's not a software issue that's actually a, a, a structural problem. So, number one, could that be the case? 
Number two, if it's not the case, doesn't that sort of verbiage scare potential flyers for, for quite a while? So let's do two, two things to discuss here. In the first case, from everything we know, actually no. Uh, the 737 is, uh, it's a, it, the, the design of the airplane, is a, it, it's a low-wing airplane with, with low-hung engines. It's a very stable design. It's an airplane, however, that a, a flawed system was put into. Right, so on that front, he's right. There was a flawed system in the plane. Once you fix that system, the plane should be okay. On the second piece, and this is what's different now, is you're in a, in a, in a world with social media, and this is the longest grounding, right? So we really don't have a big precedent for how the flying public's going to react to to the plane. Are people going to... Nader thinks the FOD system went in because they, they moved the engines for, you know, for more fuel efficiency and, and disrupted the stability of the structure of the plane. It's not just a failed, in his view, not just a failed system. You don't buy that? No, you know, it's, it's, I don't, my back, I've got a PhD in, in aerospace, right? So I used to design wings for a living, right? And, and, and what they did do is by moving the engines, and what, yeah. the airplane doesn't feel like a 737NG. It feels like a different plane. Okay. So they put this system in make to make the airplane like, feel. But it's just this, like, we shouldn't think there's an inherent instability in the new structure of the wings and the engines. As, as that, 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 that would make no sense to me. Right. But does it make sense that it would feel like a different plane? Of course. And this is, becomes an important financial point. Part of the selling point of the airplane was no training, right? That if you're Southwest Airlines, as an example, this airplane's got to feel like the previous generation. So a pilot can walk up and fly either plane. Right. And, and, you know, if, if this didn't have this system, that wouldn't be the case. Right. Ron, thank you. And uh, Ph.D. in aerospace engineering. And, yep, and, right. and he worked at Boeing as an aerospace engineer. I really like so, uh, so engineering, engineering. Yeah. God, yeah. It's hard. It's hard <laughs> stuff. It is. Cheese will be next. More Squawk Pod straight ahead. Don't miss our guest host, Michael Rubin. Now we're going to talk e-commerce on this Cyber Monday, uh, the state of uh, state of the sports industry. It's sort of it's kind of a proxy for how many jerseys you sell. Uh, it's back, it really is, because of DraftKings. I think I had a good day yesterday. Three out of four. Stay tuned. You're watching Squawk. Yeah, you've had a good day, meaning you're back to five hundred eighty dollars. Yeah. So months of toiling, and you're up eighty bucks. I'm up. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Stand by Joe in five seconds. Four, this is Squawk Box. Two, one, his mic. Here. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Cook. Andrew's off today, but filling in Tom Farley, CEO of Farpoint Acquisition Group, former president of the NYSE and a CNBC uh, contributor. And our guest host, Hoodie and All, is uh, Michael Rubin, executive chairman of Fanatics. Great to have you. We have so many things to talk about. I love it when you're here. Always Um, fun to be here. Fanatics is the exclusive producer and distributor of merchandise for the NFL, the NBA, MLB, NASCAR, pretty much all major professional sports leagues. If you or someone you shop for is a sports fan, you've probably shopped with Fanatics. Even if you've bought jerseys from Walmart, 
Yep, that's Fanatics too. And if that was Michael Rubin's only business, that might be enough. But of course it isn't. He is also executive chairman of Rue Guilt Group, the resulting entity from e-commerce site Rue La La's acquisition of Guilt Group in 2018. He's also a partner of the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. And he's the co-chair of the Reform Alliance, which works towards American prison reform. And Michael Rubin has done all of this without a college degree. But who needs college when you can build a company and sell it to eBay for over $2 billion? That was his first foray into e-commerce, and he hasn't turned back since. Michael Rubin joined us this morning, Cyber Monday. Here's Joe. Sales, just overall for NFL stuff, up how much this year? Up in the 20s. This weekend, I think up 40%. I mean, it's been, they've been great, not good. And we've tried to, to grapple with figuring this out. The games aren't any more compelling this year, I don't think. Well, you're, you're, listen, you're seeing every metric in the NFL up this year. I mean, the ratings have been spectacular. I'm leading to DraftKings and FanDuel, but we, we can do that you, later. You, you, you can lead away. What is it? What, what, you just said 40%. What's up 40%? The online business of NFL is up 40%. But, but wait a second. This, this year. Is that, is no, that because of the deal per- with Walmart.com, or is that just because? So, we're, so Fanatics, this weekend... So far, it's up 26%, which is, I think, e-commerce overall, they say it's up around 20%. Right. we have been up 26% from Thursday to Sunday. The two leaders have been NFL and NCAA. They're up actually about 40%. They've mm-hmm. just been crushing it. And I think, in general, a lot of metrics that people are worried about in sports, um, you know, how individual TV ratings have been have bounced back stronger than ever. And for me, I always say the best barometer of how sports are doing is actually merchandise sales because it's not well, worried about you, is yeah. someone consuming media on social, right. someone consuming media on TVs, it be consuming Michael, on your mobile I, phone. I also think a lot of it is what you're doing, particularly at Fanatics, like yeah. moves that you've made that probably out-reflect even sports I, 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 I agree right 100%. There. I think if you, if you looked at, say, what's the licensed sports market overall, right. it's prob- probably growing Three to five percent. Right. When, as a company, you know, we're going to go from two and a half billion to three point two billion. So his management of his business is, is no, no, but I, but I he's honestly, not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it is what I'm it's doing. Is like, I agree with you, Becky, It's because he just signed a deal no, with Walmart.com, and that you. gives him greater distribution. To the, go base, the, the, the baseball the deal. I always like to disagree with you. Push back. Anything you're going to say, I'm going to disagree with. Becky by nature, probably more thoughtful. But, 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 listen. Licensed sports overall as a category is up. Three to five percent. Yeah, you guys are up way more yeah. than online's obviously taking share right. from right. offline. Our business is primarily online, and so when we look at this past week, it up twenty six percent as a company. Uh, that's incredible sales. There's, but you, you know, we're getting maybe all of the growth and maybe some share gains as well. And is most is most of that jerseys? I know, I know it's you know, lots. I, I know it's I, lots. I, I was actually here. just looking. So Jer- I, I was curious. So jerseys are the number one category. Number two product this weekend. New Orleans Saints NFC Championship T-shirts. Didn't think that one would sneak in wow. there. Um, number three was the Dallas Cowboys Salute to Service hoodie. Huh. This one shocked me. Number four was New England Patriots holiday pajama set. Number five was Green Bay Packers big logo slippers. And last but not least, no one would get this one, was the Washington Nationals World Series locker room T-shirts. What? Um, because when you win the World Series in the beginning of November, that carries over through Christmas. So oh, people because you're still uh, buying right, it for Christmas. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so jury is always the biggest category. It's probably 35% of our business. Um, but there's lots of other things that we saw. I mean, what's incredible for us, this was the first year where we had a Black Friday was the biggest day in the company's history, bigger than last year's Cyber Monday. It's never been like that before. I want to talk to you about something else. Good, so then we can disagree. No, we're not, I don't think we'll disagree about how the 
if you can put just a small amount of wager on a game, I am glued to the TV set. I, I landed yesterday, and it was, I think, 4.10, and the game started at 4.25, and I couldn't bet because I was not in New Jersey before that. And I had like 12 <laughs> minutes to get some bets in on, this, on those two 425 <laughs> games, both of which I, that I won. Which, Den- which games? I took Denver, and, and they won. And I also took Kansas City, and they won. All right. But I had like 12 minutes, and, and my thing still wasn't saying I was in New Jersey. And I was like, Even I, though this, you were over New Jersey airspace. No, that wouldn't work. And, and it, cause I didn't, anyway. But and then I watched both games. I couldn't watch the other one, but I'm glued to it. And, it's and it, great for the ratings. It's been great for sports. I mean, I've said this. You've seen me say this consistently for three or four years. Number one, I think like every decade, there's kind of a company in sports that kind of is the special company of that decade. You know, I think we're fortunate to have been that company of the last decade. I think Fanatics has created an incredible business out of what was you know a pretty archaic and not right. exciting business. I think sports gambling is the it's the next business, and it's not a, just just about the money that's going to be made in sports gambling because I think that's going to be great, but that's not going to change the overall no, business. No, it's, it's, it's a big. It's, th- the, we're on the, it's the engagement. We're right it's getting people like you right. addicted. Because you, you're, well, you're addicted's a strong. No, I like saying you're addicted. Okay. I like saying you're addicted. Fine. We're actually going to work to get your NBC paychecks to go right to sports gambling. <laughs> we're going to give you a special deal. I started with five hundred dollars. I'm at five. I still, and it's four months. I'm at five hundred eighty dollars. How many replenishments have you done so far? Not zero. Can you zero. prove zero? He's with the I can same prove pot. that. I'm playing okay. with the same, playing the same money. Pot. I'm at five eighty. I'm pretty good. I, I do I'm because good. he tells I mean, me every movie ever makes. But Michael, we didn't really get into Rue Gilk Group very much, and what you all are doing there. What kind of numbers did you see there? Yeah, Gilt was up um, 40%, nearly 40% this week, and it's been terrific. Uh, the overall company has been performing really well. I mean, look, overall, if you just want to talk about e-commerce, we used to think about Black Friday as a brick-and-mortar holiday, Cyber Monday as the e-commerce holiday. It's really now like Cyber Weekend. I mean, that's really where this is. I mean, everything is about e-commerce is the most important channel. What, what kind of discounts or deals did you offer to consumers over the Black Friday weekend? Yeah, I mean, we've always offered great value to consumers in all of our businesses. It hasn't really changed year over year. So if you look at the value that we're giving this year versus last year. But you do offer discounts. Before, absolutely. Weekend, yeah. And if you don't offer discounts, um, you're not going to bring consumers out because consumers expect that no differently than fast delivery. They expect good discounts, but the discounts really aren't changing year to year. I'd say our average discount on um, in the sports business is probably 25 to 30 uh, percent. It's been that way for years. And I'd say in Rue La La and Gilt Group, it's probably um, in the in the 40s off of original retail. But that's what you know consumers expect. That's where the market is. And we deliver great value along with great service and a brand that they really trust. You know what I also expect as a consumer now is that the deals will not stop, that I will get them before Thanksgiving, I will get them the Black Friday, I will get them Cyber Monday. I anticipate that I'm going to continue to get email offers from these cyber retailers the whole way through the season. Is that- yeah, you're 100% right about that. The thing that's a little bit tricky about this holiday season, I think people haven't exactly figured it out. If you look sure. at everyone in November, yeah. everyone's November sales as a month was awful, including ours, because... The, the, the Thanksgiving weekend shifted into December. Right. So if you look at yesterday and today, um, two of the, you know, the largest day being Cyber Monday of the year, and then Sunday, which is probably the, you know, one of the top five days of the year, those are December days. And so you ran, you're running really down as you're you lousy comping. counts for November, but you'll have better ones. But, for and December. the way to really look at this is what do you do, do, you do in November and December? And, December and that's and the way we think about it. Now, I will say that we're up 
um, Thanksgiving weekend to Thanksgiving weekend, 26 percent in fanatics is a really good sign, which is above the 20 percent that people are reporting from overall online sales. The other thing you have happening in this retail season, though, is because Thanksgiving was so late, it's going to compress the number of days by six days, fewer, six fewer calendar days between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. And that's a big deal for brick and mortar retailers. But I'm guessing it's a bigger deal for those who have to actually ship it. It, it, it is because online shopping generally ends around the 19th or 20th where brick-and-mortar shopping ends on the 24th. Right. So what you're going to see is generally there's a low right after cyber, after the Cyber 5 weekend. There won't be a low this year. Tuesday's going to be right back at it, Wednesday right back at it. And you need to have big gains. Like, you need to be running up 20 25% every day to make up for the, Which means the, the shorter days. I'm right to think I'm going to keep getting discount offers to bring Definitely. me in. What, yeah. what, what, are, what is Amazon doing uh, in terms of expectations around shipping? You know, now, Amazon stock's yeah. been flat for a year and a half. One of the reasons is they've gone to single-day shipping or same-day shipping. When I go order a jersey and I have a closet full of your jerseys, Thank I'd you. like to... How do we get, like, a house full versus just a closet? <laughs> I, I, I feel like the closet is, like, Joe betting $20 a game. I have game, four. Like 40, I need, like, a fully... I, 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 did, I did 40 last night. 40 a game. For, for, 40 a game, okay. 40, but it's a progressive disease. That's why I'm worried. Perfect. <laughs> and we just need to go but I want, closet But I, I now want yeah. my jersey, you know, the, the, the baseball jersey. You've done the deal with MLB and Under Armour. I want the baseball jersey tomorrow because Amazon has moved my expectations. Is that... Are you seeing that in your business? Well, a couple things. One, there's there's no question in e-commerce, Amazon is the gold standard when it comes to speed of delivery. And they have raised the bar for everybody to say, if you're going to buy, we expect to get the merchandise, what used to be two days, and now one day. And so what they're doing is they're forcing everyone to be smarter, more thoughtful. The best retailers, what they're doing is they're actually saying they're going to use their stores to become mini distribution centers. And instead of trying to figure out how to build e-commerce distribution centers in every state, they're saying, look, we have an inherent advantage. How do we leverage our stores to do the delivery from the merchandise that's in that store? So how are you going to do yeah. that? So for us, a couple things. Number one, I believe firmly that Amazon and Alibaba are killing everybody. Okay, and that if you don't have something that's completely differentiated, you're dead. And I believe that since I sold my last company in 2011 to eBay, I thought of five years before that, you've got no chance to compete against Amazon and Alibaba unless you're completely differentiated. In other words, they were the suckers on that end of the deal. No, I, I don't think they were the suckers. You, at all. They, you they, bought they, back everything yeah, you wanted. Yeah, but they bought the company for a great reason. They want to make their marketplace more competitive with Amazon. They said, "Look, we need to get all these big brands that GSI operates with, you know, Ralph Lauren, Estee Lauder, GNC into the eBay marketplace." So they were very thoughtful and strategic with that. My point is. You're in a world right now where Amazon and Alibaba are killing everyone. So the only way to win, and this is really important to understand, is to be completely differentiated. So for us at Fanatics, we basically sell exclusive product, okay? Half the merchandise that we sell, we design, develop, manufacture. It's vertical, directly to the consumer. Like you think of like an H&M or a Lululemon. It's a vertical company. The other, and by the way, it was 2% when I bought the company back in 2011. It's now over 50% next year. The other half... Are products that you can't, they're exclusive products you can't find on other online marketplaces. Without that exclusivity and that differentiation, we'd be dead. And that's why Fanatics has been so successful. I'll tell you, I actually give credit to Jeff Bezos and Amazon. If I wasn't so scared of them um, for so long, I wouldn't have made our business so differentiated with all this exclusive product that can't be replicated in another online marketplace. So as you look out long term, who's going to win online? Yes, speed of delivery is really important. But I'd say the most important thing is to have, you're not going to beat Amazon at speed of delivery. You have to have a differentiated product offering. If you don't have that, I think you're dead. And that's why I see a company like Lululemon doing so well today, because it's a differentiated product and it's a brand that matters. That's where you see Fanatics with IP that we have doing so well. 
Coming up, young voters versus billionaires, and the surprising number of those under 30 who think violence may be an okay action against the wealthy. I don't know How exactly what that means. On this? About 2,000. That's nuts. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This is Squawk Pod. Today's hosts are Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Tom Farley, with guest host Michael Rubin, executive chairman of Fanatics. Here's Joe. Okay. Welcome back to Squawk Box. We're now 11 months uh, from the 2020 election, and as Democratic presidential hopefuls keep attacking billionaires and talking about taxing wealth, pollsters are trying to understand younger voters and what they want. Robert Frank uh, joins us now with that story. Hey, Robert. Good morning, Joe. Well, the split in the Democratic Party over taxing wealth is mainly being driven by age and younger voters who say billionaires did not earn their wealth and are a threat to democracy. A Cato poll that found that a majority of voters under 30 said the rich made their money, quote, by taking advantage of others rather than earning it. That compares with only about a quarter of older voters. Now, younger voters are three times as likely to say it's immoral for society to allow people to become billionaires. And more than a third say it's sometimes justified for citizens to take violent action against the rich. Now, younger voters are also far more supportive of redistributing wealth and taxing the wealthy. The majority of those under 30 support the government taking money from the rich for the poor, compared with only about 20 percent of older voters. More of them also support a top tax rate of 70 percent. Now, the question is whether this is particular to this generation or whether people in their teens and 20s have always opposed large wealth. Now, in 1978, a majority of people under 30 also said the income gap between the rich and the poor should be reduced by raising taxes on the wealthy. But the age gap explains why Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are getting a lot of strong support from younger voters, while Biden and the more moderate candidates are attracting the older voters. There was also a poll over the weekend in the New York Times that showed 63% of all voters support a wealth tax, 2% of those over 50 million, but that the only subgroup that did not support it are college-educated Republican men. That was the only demo that doesn't support a wealth tax. Can you go back to the using violence against them statistic? What was that? Yeah, so that was, that was about 40% say it is sometimes justified to use violence, to take action against the wealthy through violence. I don't know exactly what that means. How many people were polled on this? Uh, about, uh, it was over, close to 2,000. That's So nuts. it was statistically significant. Yeah, it was, it's disturbing. Yeah. It's disturbing. I'm All feeling right. good today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak out the back door, Michael. You saw me, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> you guys. You saw me looking at you. Yeah. You know what's funny? I'm just thinking about this. I was thinking about it last night. I actually think um, 
the way the country works in a lot of ways is, is great and that America is a country where you can come and you can be an entrepreneur. You, you can create great value. I don't think you ever want to deter that from happening because this is a place where so many great businesses get created and started. What I do think has to happen is there has to be more pressure on entrepreneurs when they create great value to give back. Let's bring in another couple of voices on this. Former U.S. Senator Evan Bayh is here with us on set about this. Also, Maddie Dupler, who is National Taxpayers Union Senior Fellow. Um, Evan, what do you think? I mean, how do you navigate your party, the Democratic Party, when you hear statistics like this? Well, I think a couple things, Becky. First, what's the old saying? If you're not uh, liberal when you're young, you don't have a heart. But if you're not a little more conservative when you're older, you don't have a head. So I think young people, as they have experience being entrepreneurs, seeing how people really create businesses and opportunities will learn a little bit, and perhaps their views will change. Is that the Democratic version? A little more conservative? (laughs) I I don't think that was part of the original. uh, (laughs) But but if if you feel better with that, uh, saying it that way, that's okay. A couple of other things. I think... um, for our country's sake, it's a good thing that the United States Senate is a little older demographic. The average age is like 64. Hey, boomer. So I think a wealth tax is probably not going to go anywhere. But there are some legitimate things we need to focus on. So many young people today come out of school with huge amounts of debt. And I think that may, may color their views about things some. We need to find a way to make access to higher education more affordable so that's not going on. And with the huge disparities in wealth that we're generating today, we need to find a way to, and I hope we can convince young people, even in my party, Joe, to lift up rather than to level down. And that's great. I get confused who your party is. You're an Indiana Democrat, and you've been on a, a lot of times. No. I don't rec- you're not, you, don't recognize this, <laughs> you don't recognize this party. Well, I've been accused of sometimes being a Republicrat, somewhere in the middle. Right, like a look, dino, a dino. Well, look, the, the truth, at least in my experience, very often is somewhere in the middle. So we do need to focus upon how to create opportunity in our society. And I would encourage young people to look at uh, some Western European societies and elsewhere, elsewhere where the youth unemployment rate is 20, 25, 30 percent. That's really not a place we want to go. So how do we harness markets? How do we encourage entrepreneurism in ways that more people can participate in rather than emphasizing you know, jealousy, envy, and just taking from people who've been successful? That's not really a path toward long-term success. Evan, I think both parties want exactly what, what you have just said. The, the question is, does the government take somebody like Michael's wealth and redistribute it. You know, I think of Bill Gates, probably the most consequential person in the history of the world with respect to philanthropic activities. If the government had taken that, would it have had the great impact? If no, the government had it, taken it Michael's have, wealth, would, 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 would the government have had the social justice impact that Michael's been able to have? I think that's the debate we're having. It's not what the desires are. We all want happiness for the greatest number of people. <clears throat> I'm just curious. Do you think the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie, Bernie Sanders way of achieving that is the right way for our country? And will it fly next November in states bordering Indiana? Because that's what really matters. Michigan, uh, Ohio, so on and so forth. Not Ohio, pardon me. Michigan, uh, principally Wisconsin, so on and so forth. Well, you won't be surprised to learn uh, that uh, I'm not in the Bernie Elizabeth camp. I'm not for marginal tax rates at 70, 80, 90 percent. I'm not for just confiscating people's wealth because they happen to have been successful. There is, however, a legitimate debate about how progressive the tax code should be and how we go about generating the income the government needs to fund opportunity for those who are not as successful as uh, the most successful people in our society. How equitably to do that. And that's a legitimate debate uh, that we should have. But I'm not for, you know, just confiscating people's wealth with the wealth tax. I'm not for the so-called death tax. But paying more along the way to try and fund good things. And holding, here's the key. 
holding, and where I'm from, Joe, out in the, in the hinterland, Becky's home state, people are for funding education, quality health care, that kind of thing, but they know that inherently government, because government is not subject to a market discipline, government tends to be inefficient. It can be wasteful. So how do we hold government accountable? That's the key word. Accountable toward taking those tax dollars and uh, spending, investing them in ways that actually produce the results that taxpayers want. That's the key. Markets tend to you know, have disproportionate outcomes. Government tends to be wasteful. How do we find that sweet spot in the middle? I think that's what most voters want. Maddie, you've been waiting patiently. You want to weigh in? <laughs> I sure do. Well, the debate that's happening around the table right now is not the debate that's happening in the Democratic primary. This conversation about the proper size and scope of government, I think a lot of Americans do want to have that debate. But what's happening right now when you talk about wealth taxes and the politics of envy is a conversation about essentially what kind of government we think we should have. And the fact of the matter is that when you come to socialism and capitalism, you know, that Cato poll was really interesting because actually... Actually, young people think favorably about socialism the same way they think favorably about capitalism. What's not surprising about that poll is that young people are in favor of taxing people who they don't think are them. There's this otherizing effect that we always see in these polls when it comes to taxing people. I mean, even Bernie Sanders, right, wanted to tax millionaires before he became a millionaire. <laughs> now his wealth tax doesn't uh, kick in until about $32 million. There's a reason for that. It's because there's always support when you think someone else is the one paying the bill. I think the conversation about entrepreneurship is particularly instructive here. Americans now, particularly young Americans who make up the largest part of the American workforce, are people who came of age during the Great Recession, and that was an extremely formative experience that has been that has, uh, in some senses, set them back. So you don't uh, think it, you don't think they grow out of it? In other words. Well, I do think they grow out of it, but I do think they just have a unique perspective that our political and financial thinking really hasn't accommodated because there's been 10 years where they feel their financial futures have been delayed. They feel that there is something missing for the economy, uh, for, in the economy for them. But as a result of that, most millennials are a lot more entrepreneurial, which means business taxes are going to hit them a lot more sensitively. They're going to be exposed to something like an increase in the payroll tax, which we hear a lot about from some of these Democrats running for uh, president. You know, when you talk about about taxes on wealth, when you talk about taxes on high-income earners, people think that's just on the income side of things. But when you think about the complexity in business taxes, that's something that young people will be a lot more exposed to a lot earlier than other generations. Maddie, it's good to see you. Evan, thank you for coming thank and you. joining us here, too. It's great to see you. Great to be back. It's a discussion will continue. It yeah. is. We've got a lot to Excellent. talk about between now and then. Michael, thank you for being here, too. Michael yep. Rubin, who's been our thank. guest host for this yeah. hour. You do want to thank him. And uh, did your dad ever have any money? I came from a very middle-class family, grew up in a $42,000 Where does that house. come from, that, that billionaires, I don't understand. I, I mean, you know, I look at you. That's just the perception. I've got to tell you about that. I'll give you one closing thought. When I think about people that are starting companies, if you took 3% of their stock as a private company every year, no one's going to start companies here. They're going to go to other countries. And that, that's bad because you want innovation happening here to make America as competitive as possible. And you, I don't know who you are. I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you come in here with, as, a, as a Democrat and, and you just, you, you fail miserably. I'm a former governor, you Joe. Fail, <laughs> uh, uh, we have to get that you fail miserably. When, when you're a governor, you have to be practical. Uh, Things have to work. Fail you know who miserably. Joe is? Joe is the, the gamb- the, he's the guy in Gambler's <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh, you got too. the last word and there's like six yeah. seconds left. Exactly. All Thank you. That's the show for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. I did look at NCAA today, basketball, and it's just, I don't know, I'm going to skip today. Could you go a week without? A week without? No, I told you. The answer is no. He needs action all the time. Could you give it up for Lint that falls right during March Madness? I gave up... (laughs) 
giving up things for Lent. For Lent. <laughs> That's what I used yeah, to say when I was too, seven. Right, yeah. <laughs> to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us. That helps other listeners find Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.